Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Oscar Watch Podcast, the podcast where we look back at past Best Picture winners for your reconsideration. I am your host and projectionist, Stephen Buja, and joining me up here in the booth, Amy Thompson. Amy, how are you doing this week? Very well. Today's my last day of school. Yay! The kids finished two days ago, so I'm here recording podcasts and packing up my room. Because... So, so they are paying you to do this. They are paying me to do this. All right. Sorry if anyone on Amy's staff is listening. But not really that sorry because this, this schedule works out great for me. Anyways, this week we once again have our favorite subject, and that is adorable Italian children getting into trouble like they do. We've had a lot of those films. <laughs> And we are, of course, talking about the 1989 Best Foreign Language Film, Cinema Paradiso, which is one of those movies for those who love movies. And Amy, what is your history with this film? I had never seen it. I really? watched, I believe, when I took Italian in college, because that's what I took for my foreign language. Of course I believe you did. she showed us a of clip course or two. You did. Does that, it doesn't surprise you? It doesn't surprise Italian. me in the least. It was, you're either taking Italian or France or French, not one of the useful ones like Spanish or something like that. Obviously. No, I, and I took and I took Latin in high school, so. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm sure that that really surprises you too. Okay, so all right. Well, you you hadn't seen it really. What no. was your impression of what this movie was going to be before watching it? Well, I knew it was about, like, older man, little boy. Not like that. Sure. So, no, 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 not in any <laughs> way. But I knew it was going to be sort of like he was the father figure and the little boy. However, let me tell you, I was surprised of my feelings for this child. I thought he was going to be like a little Joshua from Life is Beautiful, which I also saw while I was taking Italian in college. But he is not like little Joshua from Life is Beautiful. No. And is that a good thing or a bad thing? Or the little boy from The Bicycle Thieves. I love little post-war European children are just charming. They, they, have, this, they have this ruggedness to them where they got to they they deal with some stuff. They got they're to, hardy. Yeah. They're hardy, they're hardy children, unlike us. American kids who got everything. And they wear the little short pants with, like, the suspenders and the little lace-up shoes. It's charming. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think we're – you're definitely focusing on a one small aspect of the movie, Cinema Paradiso. Uh, and there, there's more to it than that, but – There is. But there is. But, but little, uh, little Toto. Little Toto is – I uh, on him. Which surprised me. I didn't want to feel the way that I felt about him. Oh, we'll learn more about how you felt about him we when we discuss the movie. I have seen this film both in its theatrical and director's cut. 
uh, over the many years. It's one of it's this is one of those movies that you can see with your parents, and it's okay because nothing really. Everything is like delightful and charming and, and whimsical. Yes. You love it, and it's got uh, it's got some great moments to it. Uh, but it has been a while since I have watched it. The version we saw, folks, in case you are catching up, was the one that is available on Netflix, because thank God for once, one of these goddamn movies is on Netflix. And it is, in fact, the version that was released by Miramax that uh, did win the best foreign language film. There was a version released in, I think, 2002, thereabouts, that added what was roughly, I think, 70 minutes of extra footage that wow. expanded expanded on a lot of the themes and some of the storylines that kind of were just dropped in the original. Uh, we, tr- we try to watch the version that won the award, doesn't always work out. This time we were we were very lucky. The film was written and directed by Giuseppe Tornatore, uh, who also would direct the notable film Milena in two thousand, oh. starring Monica Bellucci. And if you know nothing else about that movie, just know that Monica Bellucci's in it, and that's worth the price of admission alone. Wow, she's. Like they need to be making a statue of her. Uh, she is. She's so beautiful in that. And the whole movie is the whole premise of the movie is based on her being beautiful. Yeah. Like she is perhaps arguably the greatest special effects that movies have ever had in their entire history. Uh, the film stars Marco Leonardi, Salvatore Cassio, Jacques Perrin, and Philip Noray as Alfredo the likable, lovable, curmudgeonly projectionist. The synopsis is as follows. A filmmaker recalls his childhood when falling in love with the pictures at the cinema of his home village and forms a deep friendship with the cinema's projectionist. No mayhem in this one. No mayhem. Well, there's one scene of mayhem where there's a a fire, but there's not a lot of mayhem. No. It's, uh, It's a... you know, an accessible movie. Again, a movie for those who love movies, and really that it should be all of us. <laughs> movies are wonderful. Featuring an original score by the great Neil Morricone, uh, which is instantly memorable and lovable and just astounding. We are going to talk about the Oscar that Cinema Paradiso won right after this. for Cinema Paradiso. Acceptance award that is directed to Zerba Zermatore. Where to? But we will be very, very fast. Evidently, March 26 is my lucky days. 15 years ago, I was uh, here to receive uh, an Oscar for Fellini Samarcord, and they came in this uh, hall with a beautiful young lady, Zeudi, who I married later, and exactly March 26. So today I'm doubly happy because of the Oscar, and because tonight, on the anniversary date, my wife is here in the auditorium. Thank you, thanks, thanks a lot of, of you, Thanks to Mr. Tornatore, 
and, excuse me, thanks to myself who produced the picture. <laughs> be thinking, wait a minute, have you guys done 1989 yet? And no, we have not. We have not discussed the, I don't want to say tragedy because that would put too much of a hyperbolic take on it. The, the, the Academy done fucked up with their choice of best picture in 1989. That will be driving Miss Daisy, and that was a hell of a year, and we will talk about that later. And most of the best movies of that year weren't even nominated. It wasn't even just the Best Picture winner. It was all the ones that were nominated and all of the other ones that were not nominated that are shocking. Yeah, it's go that's going to be a fun year to hang out in for a very, very long time. And this is our first foray into it. Very safe, very you know non-controversial. Non Cinema Paradiso won one Academy Award, Best Foreign Language Film. Was not nominated for anything, and though I could, I would make a case for definitely uh, Best Original Score by Morricone, just because he deserves, basically whenever he makes music, he deserves a nomination. Uh, he's fabulous. This theme is wonderful and hummable, and just so romantic in a way that only he can really do. And possibly Best Supporting Actor for Noray for his role as Alfredo. I would want to put him in for Best Actor because he, he, he does carry a lot of it. However, it is such a stiff year. Oh. <laughs> it was like, you, you watch it. You, you look at the nominees, you go, oh, that's, that's some good acting right there. It's, um, yeah. Let's see. That's a yeah, That's a why up. Timothy Hutton had to win Best Supporting Actor for um, Ordinary People, because he would have been up against De Niro and Raging Bull. Right. And, and yep. it's but, like, but if he wasn't best, best Actor, he'd be up against Robin Williams, Dead Post Society, Morgan Freeman, Drive Miss Daisy, Tom Cruise, Born on the Fourth of July, one of his greatest roles, Verona's yes. Henry V, and eventual winner, three-time Academy Award winner, Daniel Day-Lewis from My Left Foot. Like, his first win. His first, but not the last. So you can put him in Best Supporting Actor. I'd still give it to Denzel, but you know what? Just yeah. being nominated—that's that's the that's the reward in and of itself. Cinema Paradiso did have to defeat four other films to claim Best Foreign Language Film. Amy, what were they, and have you heard of them? Jesus of Montreal. I have not heard of. Not heard of Canada. I also have not heard of Memories of a Marriage or Lo Que Le Paso a Santiago. Yes. What but happened to Santiago? Camille, excuse me, Camille Claudel, and I believe that also had a Best Actress nominee for Isabel Ajani. Oh, uh, yes, the great Isabel Ajani. My apologies if I'm butchering her name. No. But that's uh... a. That was a much more acclaimed movie, I think, that year. Oh, like know. as far as being nominated in big categories. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it, but I've heard it's wonderful and that she's amazing in it. She's certainly easy to look, uh, great to look at, and uh, one of the most acclaimed French actresses I can think of. Just she's she's, she's tops, but 
when you have uh, this is pre-scandal Harvey Weinstein really really playing the game his films kind of win a lot that's what Cinema Paradiso is is a mirror it is not a Miramax production it is a Miramax distribution do we feel bad about talking about it not really but we do have to acknowledge that its award was given perhaps more for politicking than for quality although definitely make a case that it is a fabulous movie but if you remove the Harvey Weinstein factor who's to say what would have happened really for so 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 many of these movies that we have discussed certainly in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s because he was a very very big influence on the academy kind of shaped its history and certainly and it is a, a shame because a lot of his movies were are wonderful movies yeah he he, he uh he often would he often would go in and oversee the edits himself for uh for the films he bought and a, a, sometimes a lot of times he did he did have a good eye for it so that is the oscars for that year we will of course return to this in many, many, many future episodes, I cannot wait to come back to this year and that talk about it with you and with many other people, with you, fine audience, because 1989, it, it's, a, it's a high watermark for, for film, in my opinion. Oh, it totally is. It's great. But... We're not here to talk about that so much. We are here to talk about Cinema Paradiso, and we will commence doing so right after this. Twelve years ago, master filmmaker Giuseppe Tonitori won the Academy Award for Cinema Paradiso. Now Miramax Home Entertainment is proud to present Cinema Paradiso, the new version. This Miramax Collector's Series DVD is digitally remastered, fully restored, and includes more than 51 minutes of never-before-seen footage. For those who've never seen it. For those who've never forgotten it. Discover what really happened to the love of a lifetime. Cinema Paradiso, the new version. Amy, we've given the plot basically about a movie theater called the Cinema Paradiso. Now I get to ask the question, what do you know about the art and science of film projection pre-digital age? Nothing. All right. Which is why this movie was so interesting. Okay. What did you take away from it? You don't it? think about it. It's not something you really think about. Oh, yeah? The projectionist is uh, best seen and heard, but not really, because he has to show things and make things sound good. Well, I, I, it, was, it was very interesting. The, bit, the thing that I liked about this film is that I loved a lot of the minor characters who... You don't even really want to call them supporting characters because they're so you see them just repeatedly in the audience reacting mm -hmm. to the movies and you don't know their names or their stories 
but it's funny. I loved the priest. I thought the priest was hysterical. The priest. I loved that he had that bell that he rang anytime they kissed, and so he'd have to put the put the paper in and mark it, and then go back and edit it out of the movie. I thought that was really. I thought that was a really funny reoccurring bit throughout the movie. The film. And I'm Catholic, so I can laugh at how ridiculous Catholics can be. I'm I'm not Catholic. I was laughing at how ridiculous the Catholics can be. It's a it's a, it's an amusing it's an amusing story filled with a lot of I think we would call them you're right not supporting characters, color characters. They sort of fill they're not because they're not quite extras. They they do have yeah their own lives happening, and I do love following them. I I, I love the there's the character there's that the the man and the woman who see each other in the theater and we like see their relationship progress throughout the throughout the decades it's it's very lovely it's a it's a film that takes place in a small town it's about a small town small town boys and big with you know big time dreams and uh these people really make the place feel alive and rich and textured they aren't just they aren't they aren't just background they aren't just there to fill the seats they're actual people we get to feel a little bit of what they feel when they go see the movie because we all get to we all get to feel something we all have that shared experience of being in the theater together and the exactly and i think that that was such a fresh take it wasn't just a little boy who loves movies it's this town and just it shows you how it builds community how it's that shared experience and also these were not necessarily nice people. They were playing pranks on each other the whole time. When the man falls asleep with his mouth open, they put a bug in his mouth. Oh yeah, you know, there, there, there are two people who are very much having sex right in the back. You're like, oh, they're, you know, maybe their manners are a little uncouth, but to them, you know, we, you know, it's it's important that we have it's it's important that we have the Catholic imagery with the priest inside the theater because the theater is as much an influence on them as religion is at this point. It is like, to me, I would call the movies, my, the movies are my church. That's what I, where I go to. That's where I go to like worship in my own way uh, as it is. And isn't it actually the church at the beginning? Because it seems to remember them having mass and then clearing out and then him going back in and watching the movie. And watching the movie. I, it might it might have been actually, yeah. It might, it might have been until they until they got they got more stuff. Yeah, possibly. Great, great image right there. But so we, um, so we follow. Uh, the, our main character is uh, Toto. He is uh, Salvat. You are shaking your head already. Good lord. Why? All right, all right, all right. We we all right. We first we first see Toto as an older successful director played by Jacques Perrin, who learns that uh, a man named Alfredo, who we learn to be the Cinema Paradiso's projectionist, has recently passed away. This brings and that on. he hasn't been home in like 30 years. And yeah, which is, which is another, which is another thing. Mother. Right, right, which is uh, other issues we, we, we can talk about. Mind. Right, and you're, mm. uh, and, then we, and, then we, and then we flash back to uh, Toto's time growing up in the small town of Giancaldo in Italy sometime after the war. So, 
Now we can talk about Young Toto. What are your thoughts on Young Toto and his relationship with Alfredo and his mother, for that matter? He is an unlikable kid. Really? Which I was able, which, considering physically, he's so damn cute. He has that little face. He has the little voice. He has the big, big brown eyes. Adorable. But unlikable? Really? I found him unlikable. Okay, explain. Explain. Tell tell me why he's unlikable. Um, he's a brat. Okay. Not anyway. I don't see him as a delightful little scamp. I think you probably do, but he's a punk. Fallen asleep during mass, and then when um, you know, and again, I I like that he loves movies, but stealing the money that was supposed to buy milk in a time when people are actually starving and have no food and going to see movies all day, I would have kicked his ass. I totally was sided with his mother on that. And he didn't, he never seemed sorry for any of the crap that he did. He was a little punk to Alfredo too. Okay. All right. I, I will concede that he's, he's a little punk, but he's also a child. And I will also, I, will, I do also have to state that, not every boy is as perfect and angelic as your son, who seems to be like the greatest little kid I have ever heard about, who's so adorable and delightful. But I know I th- I thought he was I th- I thought young I thought while being a punk, there is a, there is always the essence of he's a little kid. Of course, you know he's a little kid without a strong father, without an actual father there to help guide him his mother is over is just a little overwhelmed by his his uh his energy his uh sister who's just born and trying to keep it all together that i i you know it helps helps me to understand the need that the movies and then alfredo plays in toto's life so yes yes he's a little punk but there are no he doesn't do anything i find completely unforgivable as to make him completely unlikable I don't think he's like completely unlikable, but he's significantly unlikable. When um, Alfredo was trying to take the test and he's struggling with the test, and, and Toto's like laughing at him. Ugh. Oh, mm. like he had no compassion for anyone else at all. But he did. He did eventually end up helping Alfredo, didn't he? After, after rightfully, I think, negotiating his way into a better deal. That was kind of cute. That that that, that, that 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 I I even said in my notes, good for you, young Toto for you know and now and now and now he gets to be the projectionist and that's really what 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 we're what the story is all about. It's about this kid, who his father is uh, was killed in the war, although nobody really wants to say it, but we all know it, and he's in the war with Russia, which made me want to Google like when did Italy and Russia fight. I th- I th- I think this is so. I think this is still post-war, and you know, it, you know, Italy did have a lot of campaigns in in Russia alongside their part of the Axis. Okay, so we're still part of World War II, because that's what I was wondering. I'm like, what? Yeah, I don't think Italy had had the money to wage war after World War II. They got they got hit pretty hard, pretty hard after that. But, As we've seen. Yes, in a <laughs> lot you. of our a lot of our foreign language movies. Yes. So I guess. 
it's a movie about this kid who's trying to find a surrogate father. And that's a, a time-honored theme. He finds it in Alfredo. He finds it in, in movies. And I... And it, it's it's the point, and it's and it's a magical point. And that brings me to a question I have: is like, do you have something in your life, Amy, that is like family, but is not your actual family? Now, your family, I've seen them; they are great, and they sound sound amazing. But is there something else that would fill that would fill that role when, like, maybe the family's gone? Do you have something? Well, outside, I mean, outside of actual people. You mean? Uh, no, maybe 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 it's people. Maybe it's a uh, it's an activity, a hobby. Really, I mean, the my I feel like my entire essence really is like books and film and theater. Okay, those are the things that like fill my soul, and I always need to be doing something in that arena, whether yeah. it's talking about them or watching it. Or it's one of the reasons I love being a drama teacher is directing students teaching them about theater things like that it really fills my soul and i know that sounds really corny but it's really the only way that i can express it and wouldn't you it's, it's such an integrated part of who i am exactly person. exactly it's 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 the fibers and it makes it makes up you want to be doing it all the time and wouldn't you mm-hmm. when you were younger and you know you didn't have familial responsibilities wouldn't you take some money you know, swipe it from your mom's wallet and go to the theater, go to the movies, spend all, spend, like, you're supposed to be doing something, but you're in the library. What, doesn't that, doesn't I that can, make sense? No, I, I can identify with that. And what was interesting is that this movie actually made me think about my grandmother. And I've talked okay. so many times about how, like, my parents are not, like, movie people. Like, they never watched It's a Wonderful Life, even though it was on TV 10,000 mm-hmm. times. My grandmother, who was born in 1914, came over on the boat from Italy when she was a baby. That was her thing. She loved the movies and she'd get her little box of goobers and popcorn and she would just like that was her thing. And she remembers getting in trouble. The one of the only times she ever really got in trouble as a kid is she stayed for like a double feature or something like that what? and didn't tell her anybody that she was going to like she was supposed to be home by a certain time but she stayed and watched the second feature when she wasn't supposed to and she got extra candy and she went home and she was late for dinner and she's like I didn't even care that I was in trouble I just felt like I was gonna throw up (laughs) and so like her parents didn't punish her because they knew like she had suffered as a result of her disobedience and and not to get too personal but it made me think of that you know what I mean like my grandmother getting in trouble for going to the movies and this was a story she remembered well in to her like late 80s was oh my gosh that one time I stayed and there was a double feature and I was supposed to be home and they were all expecting me but I just couldn't help it I really wanted to stay and see that second movie so yeah so you get it we get it so is he a little punk yes can I do I sympathize with the mom for uh for Toto keeping very very volatile celluloid just hanging around near the near the fireplace Yes, I get that, but I can also I can also put myself back in Toto's shoes when the movies were just the greatest fucking thing I can ever remember. And I just I just went there every weekend, and when I got when I got a, as soon as I got a bike, I was there, and when I got a car, I was I was there, and I before that I would just try and drag my parents to the movies because I wanted to see them. I didn't. And especially matter. back then. 
especially uh, back then. Movies, but I have like you know, I have Netflix, I have Amazon Prime, I have Hulu, yeah, I have HBO. Go, you know what I mean? So I can go and they're whatever, and I can pick out of whatever movie I want to see. But back then, it was like they had the one movie house where the one movie. And I love the scene where it was the first part of the movie, and the guy had to ride the bike to the other town oh, to get yeah. the second half of the movie, and they had to switch. And you did that back and, and forth and ride it back, and I was like, I mean, that's it was special. It, it was. was even more special back then. It was, and I this this movie made me miss that because we do have theaters. We have a. I'm in New York. We have a lot of theaters around here. And there's, it's still a, a wonderful experience, but it's not a, it's not a big community experience because in Cinema Paradiso, you know, they take the time to get to know and show you the community and how the the owner, the priest, the the guy who says the square is mine and the you know all the, the, the guy the, quoting the movie. Yeah, you know, the guy like guy quoting the movie because he's seen it so many times. I go, it's, I have been dry. this guy. It's it's um, it's just as I don't I. I'm curious to see what would happen with kids who grew up in the in the digital age and especially in like the multi multiplex age how this film would resonate with them because they've never they've never had the the tiny art house that only shows one thing because they've gone the the way of the dodo they never had the the 35 millimeter film projection with the scratches on it they've had perfect crystal clear everything their whole life they don't get the they don't get that experience the sound of the, of the movie. Yeah, they've never they've never seen the the the, the frame melt away or, or, or anything. It's uh, I I I I don't want to say that kids these days don't you know they they don't know what they're missing because they get all the movies and that is like I would I, young me would have lost my mind if I if we could just we could just watch movies just get movies. Delivered straight to our home without even going to Blockbuster or Massive Video or wherever. We could just have all the films? That's crazy. That sounds like the most perfect future. And yet, here I am longing for the days when there was just the one theater theater and the one movie. And everybody saw it. And so then it's an experience that everybody had together. Whether it was a, a, you know, a noir film or a comedy film, a romance, whatever it was, you all saw it together, and uh, I, I guess I, I guess that that has gone away, and that makes me sad. But it's you know, and that's what and that and, and that's what the, that's what the film is focusing on. It's focusing on the gold, the the, the golden day, the gold, golden age of the of theater going, not not movie making, of theater yeah, going. And another thing, though, that it, again, just another connection I had. It made me think of my grandmother and then last summer i took william to his first movie in a movie theater mm-hmm. and again it's tough i mean you have one child and she's absolutely gorgeous when you have a second child it's a little tougher because your older child's ready you you can do cool stuff with them like oh let's go to a movie let's do this let's do this and when there's a baby with you you can't really do those kinds of things right so elena went to uh her daycare that day and i took william to see um Oh, Despicable Me 3. And he, you would have thought he was going on a trip to the moon. He was so excited. I mean, he actually said, like, oh, boy, I'm in, I'm so enthusiastic. <laughs> and, like, the woman selling the ticket looked at him, and she said, oh, he's just so precious. And we were in the bathroom. He's like, 
Bonnie, let's go get our seats. Let's go get our seats. And this other woman was washing her hands. And I said, oh, like, it's his first movie. And she said, congratulations. So, and I gave, you know, he had his little popcorn and I, he had his little juice that I got him. And he sat there and his eyes were like saucers. Yeah. And he's just eating his little popcorn. And I kept, I just kept watching him and it just, oh, it was such a special thing. And I kept being like, are you okay? You know, like, do you have everything? And he's like, mommy, shh, like, dude, try and watch the movie here. And it was, it was one of the most great mom son memories that I'm going to treasure forever because it was so special. That sounds just perfect and makes me hopeful for the future and I can't wait to bring my so daughter to an actual movie that she can she can look at. She's come to the movies with me but she hasn't seen anything. Because at home, yeah, because at home he, you know, he there's other stuff to do, you know what I mean? Like he'll, he'll watch it and then he'll color or he'll play with his charts, which is great. I love it. But the movie, but just to see him in a little seat with his little eyes and his yeah. little, eating his little bag of popcorn and he was just like so excited. Yeah, it's it, it, it it makes me think of uh, of Sunset Boulevard. It's you know, the it's uh, it's sort of in the uh, you know the movies. Movies are big, but now it's the screens that have gotten small. And to there's the 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 scene in Cinema Paradiso where they where Alfredo and Toto they reflect the film out of the theater onto the onto the square. Oh. And it's the screen, and it's just, it's so, it's larger than it's ever been. And all these people are enraptured by it and the music. And there's this cool night where everything seems at peace. And I, you can, you can just feel the, the electricity going through it. Like you are experiencing something special. That is, that's movie going to me. And that's all, and it's a, and it's a, a, just a beautiful, beautiful scene in the film. That it's like the last happy bit of, of, of peace they have. And there are all these little moments in the movie that are like that. You know, somewhere in, you know, it's surrounded by maybe good or good or bad things, but there's some other other moments where I just you just feel that this is a movie that is made with love for the movies. Uh there uh there's like there's the kiss in the rain. That I just love, where Elena surprises surprises teenage Toto. You're like, oh my god, that's it's brilliant and beautiful. And it's like this old and timey. It's raining in the movie too, isn't it? It's, yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's raining in the in, in Ulysses. And how and, and to see Toto, young Toto's face, where he's watching the film through the curtain because he's not mm-hmm. supposed to be there, and he's just like, oh, loving this. I don't care what even what it is. It's just watching it, and you just you go, yes, yes, I. I get where this kid is coming from. He he loves this place. This is his home away from home. I had, you know, the theaters were my home away from home. They still are in in a way. Uh it just it's just great. But there is a there's an actual movie. There's a story that that's that's going on here. Uh we can move to Teenage Toto, who's played by uh Marco Leonardi. The nice head of hair. All nice... the Totos had these great, full, thick hair. He's a he's a good looking Italian boy. That's that's for sure. Yeah. But here is where I will say, teenage Toto should know better because in teenage Toto is a bit of a punk. 
maybe a little bit of a creep. He's a cocky, spoiled, whiny brat. And here I will definitely concede to you that he was perhaps my least favorite of the Totos. Just because... Yeah, which is... I, I thought, like, oh, it was a teenage one. I, I get that. I, I would like him. But no, I found him to be a little just whiny about everything. He has all these good things going on in his life, and he just finds a way to complain about it. And, uh, of course, we have the great, only works in movies, dramatic wooing of hanging out by the girl's window until... Oh. I'm sorry. That's cut you off. Okay, no. you. You have a thought on this. Okay. First of all, now that he's been so indoctrinated in films, he is the kind of kid who would see standing outside her doorway or in that little doorway watching her bedroom window every night for six months. As a grand romantic gesture. Because oh, he's yeah. Watched so many. There's a little bit of the Don Quixote. He's read so many novels. Now he's a little in the head and not acting rationally. Oh, I, I get it. I was. I was teenage, Alfred. Like, I undoubtedly, I was teenage Toto. I get that. It doesn't, it doesn't make it uncomfortable to watch. You're like, oh, my God, dude, just get a hobby. I don't know. Or do something, do something novel, like, Talk to the girl, get to but know her Rado through. Has told him that story. I know, and it's and what was it? What was the moral of that story? The guy just walks away. The guy just walks away, like and oh. I love, I love when when Toto's like, well, why? Like, what happened? And he's like, who the hell cares? He just stops. Like, don't think about it too much. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I I like I like that. I like that too. I like the two, but there's this. It felt like a moment in. You ever see High Fidelity with John Cusack? Oh my god, yes. I love that movie. I, I love that movie too, but it does make me uncomfortable. But he does make the, uh, in his opening monologue, he says, you know, am I, uh, am I mi- do I listen to pop music because I'm miserable? Or am I miserable because I listen to pop music? Saying that, you know, we are so colored by all of these things that we watch and see and read and hear that... They start to become how we think the world should operate. And in, uh, in 2018, America, probably in 2018, Italy, standing out in beneath a girl's window might be a little, a little stalkerish, a little very not me too uh, happening. It literally is stalking. I mean, it's li- yeah, I mean, it's literally stalking. But it's, but, and with the music... And everything, it's supposed to be this grand romantic gesture in the movie, and I, it's played that way. And you go, oh, but at the same time, when Elena finally comes and says, I love you too, I was kind of wondering, like, why? What has this kid done except just make you feel bad that he's standing out here now waiting for you? Like, what is he, has he shown you anything else? Does he do, like magic or can he write <laughs> stuff no he's just all he does is just sit is just wait not improving himself at all i'm like you got you can you can show off to the girl you can impress like, her take her there, to dinner there wasn't a sinister dangerous element i think if no. he was like obsessively writing her letters and stuff i'd be like okay psycho dial it back but he was just kind of like near her home and it was still a kind of 
kind of a good distance away. It's not like he was like on or yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, if 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 you know what I mean? if we're, if we're gonna measure the distance that a stalker has, like uh, it's like uh, this is right. There's a restraining order at that point. Um, but anyways, there, so I had I had some problems with teenage Alfredo. Uh, but oh. A little, a little, a little, a little too close. I, I mostly, I don't like. See, I feel I have a guilty conscience about my past because I feel like I was just a complete asshole and just a dumb shit when I was younger. So when I see other kids in movies being dumb shits, I'm like, God, you should like, fuck, I get it, but stop it. And I, I feel guilty about it because they remind, they remind me too much of me. Uh, Elena's story was read. And the resolution to it was re-added in the director's cut. The uh, older, older Toto does meet uh, older Elena and figures out why. In the original, though, she just disappears. Her father takes her away during that. How do you uh, how do you feel about the lack of resolution to the romance between Toto and Elena? I liked it. Okay, and I what? That, and, and I was going to comment on. I thought that was a very 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 smart and unique way to end it because in every other movie they would have met years later or you would have found out at the end of the movie that she's the one who's in bed with him at the beginning of the movie it would have ended like that and it would have been like of course they end up together but it didn't and i thought that was an interesting take i liked that you didn't know because that way he could always have her as that like perfect memory Because I've had the experience in life of years later getting reconnected with people from my past. And sometimes it's like, wow, this is great. And you reconnect. And a lot of times you're like, really? You were this person that I was like so enamored with and I thought was so amazing. And now you're just this person. Right. And it kind of wrecks the memory a little bit. Whereas he saw her, they had these beautiful times, and then she just kind of goes away. And then you move on in your life. And you always have that memory, and it can always stay pure and sweet in how you remember it. Yeah. And I thought that was a really cool move, because not a lot of movies have the guts to do that. And In, in fact, the original one did not have the guts to do that. The original one did have a, a resolution to it, which is satisfying in its in its own way, for sure. But I think... The original cut, the one we watched, her her just disappearing like that and never find him never finding closure speaks more to the theme of the film, which is kind of you can't you can't go home again, but you can because wherever you go, you are going to take the places and the people. You're going to for Toto, you're going to take the Paradiso, you're going to take Alfredo, you're going to take all of these colorful characters here with you. And they will help, they have helped bring you to where you are, but they can't always, you, ha- you have to leave them behind at some point. So I think it, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wonderful movie that makes you feel uplifted, but there's a, there's a, there's a it's bittersweet. It's bittersweet too, because Toto has, lo- he's moved away, he hasn't been home for years, he has never found love, a, a, the true lasting love, in in another person, except for the movies. The movies are clearly his one and only first 
true and bestest love that he's ever had. Which is why this was such a good ending. Because yes. it's not about the movie's not him and Elena. I would say the most long-lasting relationship he had with another person wasn't even with Elena. It was with Alfredo. It was with Alfredo. And, and yeah. so you get the resolution with Alfredo, which is beautiful, when he's yeah. like, you need to leave. I don't want to talk to you. I want to hear people talk about you. Yeah, I, I, I love that, that line. That was so emotional. Right. And any time film has the guts to look at the relationship that isn't just parent-child, man-woman, whatever – and his relationships with films, those are the enduring lessons. And his love with Elena was it was him at a certain point of his life. Right. And it's, you know and that and that and that is life. But you but you are right. This is a, it's it it is a love story, but it's a love story about movies. Movies first, then Alfredo, then Elena, and then really kind of like everyone else, and but mostly just the parody, the parody. So we haven't talked much about uh, Felipe Noré. Uh, how is he in this as Alfredo? What do you what do you make of him? I just love him. I know he is. He's like a grandpa. Yeah. And he's, and I like that he calls little Toto out on his shit. He's not just like, oh, you're adorable. He's like, you're a pain in the ass. Go away. Right leave i don't i don't want you here but at the same time he fully adopt he fully adopts the uh, father figure role yes. but he but realizes he, that toto c- can put the whole hook the whole machine up mm-hmm. and run it and he's Fred like how film. did he figure that out he's just been watching me and he realizes that he's been watching that was really great and oh god when he goes blind oh he goes blind, but he still knows when the film is out of focus because he can, you know, I assume hear it or something like that. Yes, and he's uh, still like, putting his tongue on it to, I don't know, figure out what side it's supposed to go on. Yeah, yeah, there's a there's a, there's a stickiness, there's a stickiness there. But yeah, he's he is great, and again, I totally support him getting nominated for best supporting actor. And when he's for talking about role. how shitty his life is, and he's like, I live in this hole. I yeah. can't breathe in the summer. I freeze in the winter. Like, why would you want my shitty life? Right. It's the same Toto's movie like, over and over. You see movies all the time. Yeah, and he brings the this right level of weariness and melancholy to it because you know he he even says straight up to young Toto, not even teenage Toto. This is a stopgap. Like, th- you should not be doing this in thirty years. Like do go do great things, and uh, you know, I like uh, you know that great line. I don't want to hear you talk. I want to hear talk about you. You're you're bigger than this small town because it's it's it's, a, it's that it's that kind of movie. It's like you know, small town boy. And that's green. real love. I yeah. I I teach in an area where a lot of parents keep their kids very very close to them, and yeah. don't encourage them really to go away or do anything, and. It's really sad, and it's it's not how I was raised. I you know grew up in New Jersey, and I went to college in Indiana. My parents encouraged me. It stunk because I missed them, but at the same time, it's what I needed to do. It's what was best for me, and it's that kind of unselfish love that's really beautiful. Yeah, and he he plays it great. Like uh, I was I was a projectionist for uh, for a little while back in the early two thousands, right? Between the uh, the transition period between 
35 millimeter film and digital. So we still had a lot. I worked at a multiplex theater. Uh, 16 projectors were my uh, were my purview. It was the second best job I've ever had. First best being uh, stay at home dad to my daughter. And, and world's famous podcaster. And world and certainly international, internationally recognized podcaster, like in Canada and stuff. So, woo. Canada, how you doing? Shout and out. so, and so, this, so a film like this really, uh, really touches, really gets to me, just in a little, in a way that it, may, it might not always get to other people because you know he's they're threading the film, they're 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 score, they're scoring it, they're splicing it. Uh, it's and you knew how to do all those things. I knew I, you know what? If you get me to the uh, the standard American platter run projector i could probably still thread a film for you i i could do that in oh i think i timed myself once under definitely under a minute might have been under 30 seconds between uh start and finish going up down around it probably had a smell am i right i imagine it has a smell no no it doesn't no it doesn't actually it doesn't have a smell to it 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 has a interesting feel to it Mm -hmm. and uh it's also with 16 theaters and 16 projectors it's very hot up there Mm -hmm. Uh, it was always warm always always nice and i got to see i got to see so many movies it was it was it was great i guess i in my in my head i romanticized it a lot because it was still a job there was still bullshit involved with it but i fit you know sometimes i picture my old boss matt as uh the curmudgeonly yet fabulously gay alfredo character nice uh, who who taught me? Who taught me so much and was able to you know, make me a make me a better person. So Matt, if you are listening, thank you, uh, thank you so much for your time and putting up with me during the uh, the early the early two thousands. Because apparently you were a punk. It was a punk. At I mean, least ne- as a teenager. <laughs> uh, it totally was. Uh, this was no no yeah. This was like late teenagers, early twenties. So I had there no no excuse really. Never, never burned the place down. Did burn some film. Uh, the film can still melt. Uh, the projector bulbs are extremely hot, and so if a film, if a piece of film spends more than like a fraction of a second in front of it, it will melt. So we definitely got to experience uh, that every now and then because of. Something we did. Either a piece of tape got stuck and froze it. It was fickle, fickle machines. Uh, coming to the end of the podcast, which means we should come to the end of the movie. How do you feel about the resolution? Uh, the ending, uh, Toto's coming back for the funeral of Alfredo and, uh, and, and so forth. How does, how does, how does the ending, does the ending work for you? I think it totally works. I think the only thing at first that I thought of is, oh, but what happened to Elena? Doesn't matter though. But at the end, all oh, that last image where he's sitting in the theater and he's like watching all the movies, yeah. I was like, oh, that's what it is, man. That's true love. Yeah, yeah, right there. And yeah. I thought, what a beautiful way to end it. Yeah, the the uh, the ending for folks who haven't seen the movie, it's Toto receives a gift from. Alfredo. Alfredo has assembled something for for Toto, and it is the all of the 
hisses and lewd scenes from the movies that the priest uh, had him cut out back in the day that Alfredo even said, these are yours now. They survived the fire. And I am a big, I'm a huge fan of the emotional montage and in really anything. And I have to say, this is perhaps one of my favorite montages in all of film. You have the Morcone music soaring it's it's the love theme and you have just the the images of people kissing of embracing and in love and it it's just you can picture you can picture yourself you can feel it it's i i think i think one of the greatest endings to uh to a movie and certainly one that to me says this is this is movies this is the this is film and this is why we love it we love it for these moments and it's uh, i i i just i just i just think it's great maybe the rest of it the rest of the film is perhaps a little shaky sure but the ending man when you when you when you when you stick the landing like cinema paradiso does you yes. know you don't need anything else you 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 got it you got it and uh the, this ending it resolves Toto's character very well in a, in a in a way that doesn't just tie up all the loose ends. It just makes him... I think he comes to accept that, okay, maybe, uh, maybe I won't ever find true, true love in, the, in a woman or another person, mm-hmm. but I, will, I, I have this, and I have the theater, I have the movies, and I have my memories of Alfredo, and that has, that has fueled me and brought me here today, and I think that is a beautiful way to... To go out on, and you don't need any more. And it just stops right there and cut to credits. Beautiful. It's beautiful. beautiful. It's beautiful. So uh, now we're now we're at the end. Did Cinema Paradiso deserve Best Picture that year? Completely. It's it's a very special movie. I'm really glad I got a chance to watch it again. Yeah. Or actually sit and watch the whole thing. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, every now and then a foreign film breaks through to the mainstream and becomes the, the thing to talk about. And it takes a very special movie to do that. You have Life is Beautiful, you have a more Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, all of them won Best Foreign Language Film. Some of them were even nominated for Best Picture. This is one of those movies, and you feel it. Maybe it's it's a, it's a simple movie. Maybe it's not the most complicated of films, but it, if we go to movies to feel, then Cinema Paradiso absolutely fulfills its job ten times over with uh, with the feelings. I, I walk. I I stopped this and was like, this. I remembered why we do this podcast. It's because it's not because we want to tear down a no. movie like Oliver. No, no, we don't. We want to see great things. We want to feel great things on this podcast and getting to talk about them and to to share and to share and to share those thoughts and feelings with all of you is my pride and joy of this podcast it's why we do what i love it's not just watching the movies it's because so so rarely do we have that shared experience so much i just watch it on my own while it's on tv my husband works overnight you know and but having somebody to talk about it with and just oh man did you see that and which is why I end up text messaging our own Steve Fuchsia a lot during it and why I like 
getting ones during the day about things he's already watching that I haven't gotten a chance to watch yet and thinking, oh, I can't wait to see the movie and get to that point and yeah. see how I'm feeling at that time. Yeah, really, and with we, people we who love me as much as you do, it's magical. Yeah. It's magical. Finding, a, find, finding folks who, finding you has been, has, been, has been a great blessing for sure. Uh, some of the things haven't aged. Some of the camera work is wonky. Uh, there are focus issues. There's that scene where Alfredo is relating the story of the boy who waited a hundred hundred nights, and the, it's all over the place. It's very, it's <laughs> very shaky. The sound isn't always great, but Doesn't when it match up with, with yeah, it's 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 out of sync. But when it <laughs> when it works, it works, and when it's great, it's magical. So yes, Cinema Paradiso deserves, uh, definitely deserves Best Picture that year. Uh, best Foreign Language Picture. Well, maybe you can you can make a case. No, no, no. There's too many other good movies in, in 1989, and we of course will get to those. So, Amy, thank you, folks. Thank you for listening. If you have thoughts on Cinema Paradiso, please write us at OscarWatchPodcast at gmail.com. And be sure to find us and follow us and talk to us on social media at Oscar Watch Pod. Amy, where can folks find you? At Thomason 11 on Twitter or message us on Facebook because I love that. And respond to the uh, little discussion questions I post because I like reading people's discussion answers. Yeah, we, love, we love hearing your thoughts. We are – if we were – if we had no audience, if it would just be us basically doing – some weird journal type thing and we like having you around to listen to us you keep us you keep us honest you keep us uh, grounded shall we say uh next week we have been away from the actual original purpose of this show for a while now i apologize we're trying to not we try to tease out the actual best picture winners uh next week we are going to start a shall we say, a very American trilogy of films uh, in honor of the Independence Day coming up. So we are, of course, going to start with, because there ain't nothing more American than good old-fashioned racism and subjugated and subjugation of another human being. Yes, that's right, 12 Years a Slave. So we're going from the magic of movies to how we should all feel bad about uh, ourselves. So that should and be ugly and the ugliness of man to the beauty of, of <laughs> films to the ugliness of mankind. Perfect. Put that on the poster right there. 12 years a slave <laughs> next week. Uh, you know, feel good movie 2013. Definitely feel something movie of 2013. Looking forward. Haven't revisited this one in a while. So it should be interesting, especially given all that has happened from now since then to now so do stick around do listen in write us with your thoughts and until next time we'll see you on the red carpet <laughs>